I don't like retirement is a socialist agricultural term that means to withdraw or to put out of use. So I don't think retirement, I, I call it like financial freedom or being able to do what you want to do instead of what you have to. And I think that's a better goal because you don't want to take yourself out of service, which is really what retirement means, put out of service. And uh, I think you have to have the right thing because you may like be a school teacher, but you love it or you like what you do, or let's say you're in the tech world, but you want to teach it to high school kids, but you can't make the money you are used to making six figures. If you can develop uh, assets that generate the income you need, then you're free to do what you want to do with your time. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right. Welcome back to Ice Cream with Investors. I'm your host, Matt Four, And today we have on Curtis May. Curtis is the owner of Practical Wealth Advisors and host of Practical Wealth Podcast. His primary focus is on financial planning and helping individuals and families become financially free by following the principles of wealth creation that have endured the centuries around the world. As host of the popular podcast, The Practical Wealth Show, in his individual meetings with clients, Curtis teaches people their number one asset is their knowledge. The more you know, the lower the risk, the greater chance of success. Curtis has been planning for individuals for more than 35 years, and he's passionate about helping his clients save money and live their best lives today. Curtis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions. What's your favorite ice cream? I'm boring. My favorite ice cream is vanilla. Everywhere I go, I just like getting really good vanilla ice cream. Toppings or no toppings? No toppings. I just like straight good homemade, whatever. I'd like banana. They're not all the same. And I saw like vanilla. So I'm a vanilla ice cream connoisseur. Maybe cookies and cream, but that's it. There's only two I like. You're in the Philly area and I'm assuming there's some fantastic ice cream shops in the Philly area. Where, if we're up there, where's the best place we should go? Solier. I live just outside of Philly. So there's, there's a, there's a bunch of little places up here, but it's a place my daughter loves. Like, so they put it in like a Mason jar like she gets it with all the sprinkles and all these toppings and cookies jammed in there. And it's the whole thing. Right. And, but it sits like, so this is the cup, right. And the ice cream sits like this high. It's insane. And it costs two of us. It's like $23. So it's not inexpensive, but it's right. It's uh, but it's good. It was, it was delicious. So, you know, it's an experience. A lot of like uh, Villanova students go there for dates. And uh, so that, there's another place. And my wife can name it because she me. I don't even remember what they are, you know, because I read yeah, Rita's War Ice, you know, that's another one. That's a whole different topic. But then they serve ice cream also. But there's, I can't think of the other, but Scoops. Another place called Scoops. That's really good. Cool. Well, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? What I do today is I work with real estate investors, small business owners, and professionals that want to be one and two with the goal of creating what we call work optional income. So you said I do financial planning. I really do principles-based planning. And because I kind of teach the opposite of what most people are taught, where they're taught to accumulate money and save and hope markets go up. I teach people to focus on cash flow. That's kind of do So I work with people. We kind of help them develop a game plan because the, so we've got a a program that kind of puts the pieces together where we give you a visual, like a one page of where they are financially. I want to know where they're going. And now my goal is to get you from point A to point B, wherever B is for you, financial, you know, financial freedom, which we call it getting to a position of FU, 
We got a whole, I have a magazine called the Cashflow Nair and my membership called the Money for Life Club. We have the 20 principles of FU, okay? But the goal is passive income, twice your expenses. If you want to get the speech that drives this whole thing, do a YouTube search on The Gambler with John Goodman and the guy from uh, Mark Wahlberg. And uh, that scene is the whole driving force for my whole business, freedom. You know, what is FU? And so watch that. Just search FU on YouTube and you'll see that's the driving force behind our business. Gotcha. Well, I love this idea of focusing on principles and we're going to dig into those. But one thing I didn't want to breeze over is this idea of work optional because in so much in the financial independence community, you hear about people retiring early. And I don't believe that anybody that has the grit and the determination to quote unquote, retire early actually goes and retires. They just work on different things. Work optional is probably the best way I've heard that said. Yeah. I don't like retirement is a socialist agricultural term that means to withdraw or to put out of use. So I don't think retirement, I I call it like financial freedom or being able to do what you want to do instead of what you have to. And I think that's a better goal because you don't want to take yourself out of service, which is really what retirement means, put out of service. And uh, I think you have to have the right thing because you may like be a school teacher, but you love it or you like what you do, or let's say you're in the tech world, but you want to teach it to high school kids. But you can't make the money you are used to making six figures. If you can develop uh, assets that generate the income you need, then you're free to do what you want to do with your time. Like I tell people, if you dropped a billion dollars on me, I would still do this. I would still do teach financial literacy classes and I'd be probably a high school basketball coach, maybe even middle school because I like them younger because they, they, I can still beat most of them. Trust attitude and probably girls. Now I think about it, no attitude. They're there because I've coached like girls soccer and girls youth basketball. So they don't, you know, girls are more fun and, and just so they don't talk back to coach what you do what you tell them to do. Well, you work with a lot of investors out there, business owners, real estate investors, and just high net worth individuals. Where do you see real estate fitting into an overall financial plan of taking someone from A to B, for instance? Let's define where it fits. So one of the things I teach, Matt, is the three rules of investing. Invest in your expertise, invest in... So one first, let's start back up. Investing is a plan. It's not a product or a procedure. You have to become, it's about becoming. It's be, then do, then have. So it's not, you have to become an investor, right? So you got to take your time to learn how to do it. And then the three rules of investing are invest your expertise, invest in what you can control or influence the outcome and don't chase returns. What happens is a lot of people will take people to an exercise called retirement ready or not. Most people are taught what I call the accumulation theory, that idea that you can build up all this money in a in 401k and then you can retire off of that, live off that and hope you don't die before you run out of money. That's the plan. That is flawed on so many levels. And so what real estate allows you to do is one, because if you want $100,000 in stock, you need $100,000, okay, for the most part. But if you want $100,000 worth of real estate, how much do you need? The true answer is it depends, right? Depends on how much you know and how creative you are, but you can do it with leverage. So one, it gives you leverage. One, it puts you on the same side as the powers that be, who want to drive inflation. So if you own assets, the inflation drives the asset prices up. It drives up your rent. You're buying an asset with fixed money while your rents are going up. Your mortgage is constant. You get the right off the mortgage debt and you get depreciation. So if your listeners are high income W-2ers, it's almost not optional. Right? You need to, uh, because you're, when they talk about taxing the rich, they're talking about you. And because you have to, so I was in lunch with Tom Wheelwright, Tax-Free Wealth. We were at a conference together and he goes, 
we were talking about the cash flow quadrant. He says the E's pay 40%, S's pay 60%, B's, business owners, if you read the category, pay 20, and I's pay zero. And it's right. So the tax code is a stimulus program. They can't take all your money, right? So they put carrots where they want stuff done. And what does the government want done? They want jobs. They want housing. So your product is what? Safe, clean, affordable housing. To incent you to buy that, they will give you significant tax break to offset other stuff. I'm at the edge of my now. I don't give tax advice. Go read a book. Go talk to your person. But what does the government want? Uh, jobs, housing, food, and energy. Well, if you will partner with them, you will minimize taxation. But and so real estate is is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple as you get into it. You can use other people's money. And I think that if you even if you syndicate, you make a lot of money, you don't want to be bothered, you could still get some of the pass-through tax advantage. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. You got to figure out what you like. But I think for people that are high income, it's a good way to develop work optional income. You need because you got it, the emphasis is on cash flow. And so too many people are focused on capital gains. You need to buy assets. What's an asset? Something that sends you a check every month. And I don't think we've been trained to do that. Two things I want to pull out of there. One is you brought up a very controversial topic that I 100% agree with is that the tax code in America is not meant to raise revenue. It is meant to incentivize private entities and private people to do things that the government wants you to do, such as jobs at food, housing, and energy. Housing is a big one because the government doesn't want to house all these folks. So that's why they give- Because they've already tried that. That wasn't a good look. So that's why they give tremendous tax breaks for it. Yeah. And so once you look at that, so you think, oh, you know, current administration may not be pro-oil, but they're pro-energy. So really rich people don't care. Okay, well, let's go buy some solar. Let's go do this and that. And it just, they're not worried. They don't think about who's in charge. It doesn't matter. So that's where I mean, you got to get to the position of FU. It doesn't matter. You just know what's going on. And see, a lot of people say, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. It just is. So I tell people, don't hate the player, hate the game. Just you got to understand the game and the rules and learn how to play the game. And that's what all you can do. So anyway, that's my feelings about it. I try to understand the game. I don't get mad and like, all right, how's it work? Don't change the rules on me. And then Curtis is going to figure it out. I also want to talk about this point of accumulation versus cash flow, because I think one of the riskiest things you can do is tie yourself to a single source of income. I am in a W-2 today. I like my W-2. I plan on being there for a long time, but I've also had things in my experience that have uh, helped me learn that previous employers have helped me learn that tying myself to just that income was very risky. So I think the conversation is really shifting in the financial planning from Accumulate as much as you can, stick it in a tax-deferred vehicle, which means that you will still pay taxes on it eventually on the harvest rather than the seed, to cash flow to replace your income to make work optional. Where did you kind of learn this concept and where do you help your clients kind of navigate through this? It's not changing at all in the typical industry, traditional industry. That, that's not what they talk about. That's not their objective. Their objective is not to make you rich. Their goal is assets under management. And so I'm not throwing them under the bus. You just got to understand what your interests are and what theirs are. And they're, they're not aligned. So the first 15 years of my career, I was like a Dave Ramsey on steroids. By term invested difference, mutual funds were the end all be all. And then I want to say 1999, 2000, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that kind of cracked my foundation. I didn't know what to do with it, but you know, I knew I had grown up in business and it kind of spoke to me a little bit more than now living through four crashes. This is before I read it before 9-11, but then the fourth one was 9-11. I was like, all right, 
And then, you know, that dot com, all that whole thing, the whole early 2000, then the meltdown, I was still kind of, I was in a, a mutual fund world, but I was playing with mortgages. So in 2008 happened. So I was like, all right, something's going to happen. Why do I not see this stuff coming? That's, I started to study economics. I started to think macroeconomically and looking at some of those things, I started studying Austrian economics. Around that time, I read the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, but working my way through that bibliography, The Creature from Jekyll Island. I'm a big fan of uh, Garrett Gunness's book, Killing Sacred Cows. All of that kind of started to shift me because what happens is there's just two schools of thought when it comes to money, right? Because two things, people want to focus on their income statement, right? But income is not wealth. Income is income. And see, the problem is with a job, you can get fired for one or two reasons, any reason or no reason at all. Okay. At least in Pennsylvania, right? I view that as very risky. I don't know about you. And so that's like being a consultant, but you only have one client. And so one is the worst word in business. So you need to have what I call a West Coast offense for your money. You spread the ball around and you need to be able to have dump it off. You got to be able to move the ball around the field. That's having multiple streams of income, preferably with levers, because you can't see the accumulation theory is considered typical traditional wisdom, which is buy and hold, dollar cost average, get out of debt, buy term investor difference, modern portfolio theory, the rule of 72 dollar cost averaging. It's all built around an S&P. That's what the institutions teach. But it's usually the other thing, guys, if you're trying to be an investor, typical financial advice is designed for employees because they're teaching you don't have the time, the temperament or the training to personally manage your own money. Basically, in so many words, all of their marketing says, give your money to us. Okay. But the people I work with, they're like you. I was talking to a friend of mine that's a big multifamily guy here in, in Philly. And he says, you know, we're, he was interviewing on his show doing a training for his group. And I said, well, do you think you can make your portfolio make more money than Fidelity or Vanguard? He goes, hell yeah. <laughs> what happened now, if I was a typical guy, I'd be trying to sell you on why you should set up a SEP or you should put money in mutual funds. In other words, send your money away from your business and give it to somebody else where you might get four or five, 6%, 7% average with risk. That's counterintuitive. And so you know better already. So, but nobody, so all I teach people to do is that I say, look, here's the, what I call the velocity method. Velocity. Is the economic principle of moving money. So the Burr method would be velocity in real estate. There's cash flow, there's leverage. And what do banks do? Banks buy permanent life insurance. They don't buy term insurance, they buy a whole life. What happens is you can do that. All of those, what I call corporate finance things, work in personal finance. And it supports you buying even more real estate or you expanding your business even more. You have to liquidity is key. See, most people are taught to invest, which is to send money away from you. I want you to capitalize, which is create value. And then ideally you want to be able to collateralize and not liquidate it and go use that money that you saved to go buy other assets that bring in more cash flow. So that's velocity. It's like cash, asset, cash. And you get into what Laura Lamar calls a wealth cycle. A couple of things I wanted to highlight there. One, my Biggest learnings came when I shifted my mindset from accumulation to buy, save $100 a paycheck. When it gets to 1000 go buy, save $100 a paycheck. I changed it from that to velocity of money. How fast can I move this money through the system versus accumulating it up, dropping it to zero, building it back up, dropping it to zero? 
The second thing is really this idea of liquidity and access to cash more than anything. So cash is trash, quote unquote, but access to cash is just as good as cash in the bank sometimes. And there's where whole life policies come in, where you can stuff them in a vehicle that is guaranteed, protected, regulations around it, et cetera, and then access based by collateralizing that and moving it into other things. That's key. So now you get to have your cake and eat it too, because you can buy the asset, but your money is still earning uninterrupted compounding, tax-free, credit protected, you know, all that good stuff, a death benefit, earning dividends. But you can still turn around and use it for down payments for your properties or vacations or any major capital purchase or investment, whatever your heart's desires, you can think about once you study the the, the the mistake people make with what they call infinite banking is too many people think it's about the insurance and they all they want to see is illustrations. I rarely show people illustrations, at least not initially, because banking is a process, is a concept. The product to facilitate banking is properly structured dividend paying whole life with a mutual company, but you got to understand the product. You don't need a policy to bank. And um, we'll go there if you want, but the, the, it's more, you got to get the concept and then we'll pick the product. We'll layer in and show you how to use the product, but I need you to understand how banks make money and how to manage your cash flow. Cause all the banking is you experience because you do it. It's a system of money management. It's not about the insurance. It's just, you have to, st- cash has got to be stored somewhere. Nelson has a book called where Nelson Ash, your warehouse of wealth. And so you have to store your liquidity somewhere. So you want to store it in a plan that you don't, that you own, that you, that the the government can change the rules on you. Do you want to store it in real estate? A lot of people say they think real estate own free and clear is savings. It is not. When you pay extra on your mortgage, for example, which I believe is a complete waste of money, you're turning your house or your properties into a qualified plan on residential. You got to qualify to get the money back out. You know, I want lines of credit. I want all that kind of, I'm not, I want you to use it because that's velocity, it's leverage. But what happens is if you had extra money to pay down the mortgage, I'd rather have you put in a policy because now you can get to it. It's a question of location, right? Do you want to locate it in the house? Equity has a zero rate of return. Or do you want to locate it where you're earning a safe rate is accessible with a fax or a phone call and you can turn around and, and use it? Because if you have 100,000 of, let's say a mortgage and $100,000 of cash or cash value, you're not in debt. You have debt. But it's your that's a balance sheet neutral decision. You could pay it off. But if you hang around me long enough, you know, you don't want to do that. Like you got the money, you can pay it off, but it's better to let the Fed destroy the debt for you. Oh, by the way, when you're talking about paying down equity and things like that, it's still accessible to creditors as well. If you think you own your class house free and clear, stop paying your taxes and see what happens. If you think you own your house free and clear in your personal name, get into a car accident where your insurance is over leveraged. And now all of a sudden you have to, they'll come after your collateral, which is your house. That's where principle two comes in on my process, maximum protection. You can't skip that because you have to, stuff happens, right? You have to play defense. Um, a lot of people don't have like umbrella policies where you can have a million or $2 million because oh, I got each house in an LLC, which, okay, I'm good with that. But Guess what? Your first line of defense is insurance. It's not asset protection. That's your second line of defense. But your first line says you let the insurance companies go to work, lawyers go to work for you. I think all this comes down to, to two things. One, you are your greatest asset and no one will care about your future more than you and maybe your parents. So why do you want to hand that off to someone else at some of these big financial institutions? Now, look, if you don't care about finance and you don't want to go learn it, maybe that is a safer place to put it. But if you're listening to this type of content, 
then you have the ability to go be your greatest asset and you should pursue that. The second thing I think it comes down to is control and who can control your money the best. If you're going to pay 2% for somebody to manage it at a big financial institution, not only are you losing control in those investment decisions, but you're also paying a fee for that kind of loss of control. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I was just talking to somebody. I said, listen, you're like, do investments, but I just showed her how to read her statement. This is literally before we jumped on this call. And she's like, money's losing money. I said, well, tell me what it says. A short-term fund. I said, she was trying to show me. I said, well, it sounds like a money market fund. It is. Okay. Do you have a plan for what you want to do with the money? It's not like 20,000. I said, well, no, leave it there. Or I'll say, look, you could call them and see if they do an S&P fund because she's not willing to learn anything about money. So if you're not willing, then you should go ahead and fund your 401k. You listen to Dave Ramsey, Susie Arman. They're great for you because you don't want to learn money. and You want somebody to tell you what to do. I tell people all the time, if you're like that, don't call me. I can't help you. Do not call Curtis. Curtis is not your, a good guy to work with you and your money because it's your money. And so your number one asset is you. So I think that you've got to, what do you invest in? Your mindset, what you read, watch, listen to, right? Your skill set, because money follows value, right? So you should be investing in how to raise private money, how to do lease options, how to negotiate, you know, reading what Chris Voss's books, never split the difference. You got to work on your skill set because specialized knowledge is what makes money. That if you read Think and Grow Rich, it's not about investing. It's about working on your number one asset, which is you. There's no investment advice in there, but it's a book about getting rich. That's funny. And uh, the laws of success. So that's, it's all about your principles. And then it's your network. Who do you know? More importantly, who knows you? Those are, if I'm going to invest in myself, those are the three things. And then your number one investment, you know, my asset is you, you know, an investment is a, or your business. Real estate investors, you are, one of the things I'm trying to do is get people, real estate investors to understand you are in business. You have a business, you have a real estate business and you have to learn to operate accordingly. How do you pay yourself? How do you get money out? How are you? Because the business is a tool for you to become financially free. And I don't think enough people in business or even in real estate, they're just doing deals they're making money, but they don't really have a focus. It's odd as that sounds because they're doing very well, but they're, or they leave gas because they don't have the proper insurances, the entities, all that stuff set up, the trust, proper life insurance, proper, they're not having the full coverage on their car insurance from the liability side. I see so many, because I go over all that stuff with them. I get there. We literally go through all their deck pages and look at your stuff. We have a very detailed process because you got to build your house on rock, not on sand. And sometimes we have to backfill. You're already doing well. And then we have to backfill to just make sure that we're building what I like to call a fortress balance sheet, which I, I stole that from Jamie Dimon, but I'm trying to apply it to personal finance. <laughs> I want to help you build a fortress balance sheet. One of the things I wanted to pull out here, though, is this concept of some people don't want to learn about money and don't care to go spend that time that we do learning about this because it's not a passion for it. And I want to just make sure I say, like, that's okay. I work at W2 today. I like what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's okay. Some people want to leave their W. That's okay. One of the things that really bothers me about the financial community is you see so much assets under management, doors owned, and all these different metrics to signify success. But what I really care about is return on intentionality. If I can be more intentional with my kids, with my loved ones, with the people that I care about, my job and things like that, and I have less assets under management or doors, 
I think that's okay. I want to steer people away from this idea of somebody's doing it better. Somebody is bigger. So I've got to go do that and sacrifice all these other parts of my life. Yeah. You have to compete, but not compare. So whatever is personal finance. So it's personal to you because one of the things is that like I focus on, cause I'm always thinking about the, like my brain never shuts off, but what I want to do is I think that if you can you know, build systems, cause all wealth is a product of systems. If you can build a system, let's say your number is 10 grand a month and your bills, like when Robert Kiyosaki wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad, his income was $10,000 a month off his properties. He had like 120 properties and, and it was like $10,000 a month. It was one of his books, but his bills were $3,000 a month. He took a year off, you know, he's financially free. That's when they created the board game in his year off after they were out of debt or out of, they were financially free at, you know, he says in an early book, he, she, he was 47 and Kim was 37 and they were financially free. And that gave them time to think. You want time to be what are you working for? So that's why it goes back. What do you want and why? Because you're working so that you can spend time with your kids or travel or give to charities that are important to you. And you want to be present. So you want to be able to, to like, I work on my marketing because what I was always thinking I was missing something. So I work at, if we like, we're going to Disney World this weekend for my wife's, we're probably going to go there for the weekend, but I want to be there, not thinking about what's not going on here. So you want to be able to create a life that you can be autonomous and do what you want to do, what you have to. So if you love your work, you can't worry about what other people are, are thinking. I'd have a thousand doors. Well, I had a guy that, his name is Dan Satowski. I met him at a meetup. He's a big guy. He's like 900 doors and that kind of stuff. But he was doing like some crazy, like a hundred flips a year, making a million dollars, but he hated it because he had no life. He said, I have no life. And he switched to, he's big in the note space and just cash flow. It's all about cash flow. He's got direct deposits, hit his account the first of the month and $40,000, $50,000 a month. And he's on his boat and chilling. That's what I'm talking about. And so what, but that number is different for everybody. And so, you know, when you get there, if you know how to do it, then you're just running up the score. You enjoy it. It's like a game now. It's not like you're doing it for money because it's like, how much can you make and give away? Russell Brunson is building villages and libraries in Kenya or something. What is it that you want to do that's on your heart that you'd like to make a difference? That's what money's for. That's what capital is for. Money is a tool to live the life that you want to live versus a comparison. I love this idea of compete, but don't compare. One of the things that I've really enjoyed researching you and learning about you is this, you're very principle-based. And I think we live in a reactive tactical world where we're always reacting. And if you what I like to say is that if you react to a certain situation, then you limit your future options because you're started down a different pathway. And principles allow you to think and make that decision before the instance ever happens. And you just revert back to your principle of saying, no, I'm always going to go right instead of left. So I'm going to go down this path. Talk to us a little bit about how you think about principles versus tactics and how you use that to come up with your principles of wealth. And they're not my principles. I've got, it was funny. I was, I'm going to do a show on this this week because I have like three different sets. And so let's say principles are, like you said, these are your rules of the road that are unchanging. A lot of this comes from Ray Dalio's book, because if you don't have principles, every time something comes at you, it's like you're experiencing it for the first time. Once you've got, all right, I've seen this before. Okay. When this happens, we do this. So those are your principles, right? And so principles could be, I'll go over real quick, the five principles of personal finance. But if you read the richest man in Babylon, there's the seven cures for a lean purse. Those are principles. I really teach that 
If you ask me, what, what did I do, right? The five laws of gold. Um, I learned from Kim Butler, the uh, seven principles of prosperity. I have the 20 principles of FU. I'm going to do, so let's do a show on those on each one. But the principles I teach, the goal is to help. We teach principles that help our clients become and remain financially free. They're condensed from Buffettisms and Kiyosaki things. And so we just kind of boiled them. So the first principle is save. It's the verb of saving of part of, you know, so it goes right back to richest men in Babylon. Part of all you earn is yours to keep. That's a principle. And so we say 15% or more of your gross income. So if y'all are still working, I would have you. So I'll give you a tactical thing. I would create an account. We call it a wealth capture account. I would go to HR and I would take 15%. Let's say it was 100,000. So 100,000 is 15,000 a year. So that's 577 to pay if you get paid 26 times. Can you open up a separate checking account, separate from your bill pay money and see if you can do that? That's that one. That's what I want to see if people can do. Because if you don't do that, it starts with that. Game is one in laws is you got to work, earn, and save. That's the That starts the game. The second principle is protection. You have to play defense. I call it maximum protection. So that's looking at your estate stuff. You're protecting your stuff, the liability, the car, the homeowners, replacement costs, you know, health insurance, disability, life insurance, entities, trusts, all of that, those discussions come under principle two. A lot of people skip step because that's not sexy. They want to just get to the good stuff, but you have to play defense because stuff happens. You can't, like you're taking a, a ship from the North Atlantic to America, but you don't provision. You don't, you just expect every day to be sunshine and you're not preparing for rain or bad weather or storms. You can't do that. A lot of people go through their investment life like that. Legacy, we call it full replacement of assets at death. That's my third principle. The fourth principle is liquidity. Six to 12 months of your income in cash or cash equivalent. We store those, like we said, I'll do like a month, month and a half, maybe two months in cash, what I call ATM money. But the bulk of that money we store in your policies, plural, in your banking system. You've got access to it, but you can access without liquidation. And then principle five, which is all your listeners are already doing, which is velocity, velocity over accumulation. So we actually track that in a system. And what I teach people to focus on when you get to velocity is every quarter, just what I would have you think about. There's a great book called The 12-Week Year. That's kind of like my operating system. And so every quarter, how much did I save? What was my revenue? So I focus on revenue. How much of that revenue I saved? I saved, try to save 15, 20% off the top of everything. That not counting the salary I pay myself or what it takes to run the business. I'm one put this thing together. I need to get paid. I need to save money. The business is there to create wealth for me. I would track my cash flow. So every quarter, you know, how many houses I look at, how many properties I look at, how many offers did I make? You need to do that because so you want to grow, but the work is where the passive income, the income is coming from you doing the front end work. What are your lead indicators? What's your lead duration? Like, what are your offers? What are you closing on? What do you have in a pipeline? So if you're not doing that, you're not going to grow. It don't just happen. And then if you got a business, I focus business on, on what are you doing to grow your business income? There's three ways, four ways to grow revenue of a business, which I'm going to go into right now. But are you doing that? Are you doing more lead? Well, I'll just say it. Lead generation, lead conversion, increase your prices, you know, lead increase the customer value of your of each client and retention. You focus on those four things. You could grow, well, I don't care what business you have, you could grow at 30 to 50% in three to six months if you start to understand that. And that's why I view it as the fastest path to cash. I know how to do that. 
I was listening to Russell Brunson's uh, podcast. He's like, he's buying businesses, but he knows all this stuff, how to do lead funnels. So he's buying them and he knows how to grow their revenue. And the red growth is paying for the money he bought with no money down. He's using the new money to pay off. So he's basically buying them for free. That's a skill. So you have to learn. That's what skills make money. Those, so that's velocity. Now, so let me put it in order. So this is my framework. Principles drive strategy. So infinite banking is a strategy. It's a system of cash flow management. Profit first is a strategy of organizing your cash flow. So you can pay yourself and you make cash flow management system. I'm a big fan of that book also is Profit First for Real Estate Investors. Forget the authors. So- Mike Markowitz. Yes. Great book. That's my favorite one because I can tell he kind of does infinite banking. If I wish I could meet him because like he says stuff, he mentioned Nelson Nash. And I was like, okay, this guy, I like this guy because I like his language. And the tactic, so tactic is the third, right? So principles drive tactics. So when you have the strategy, the principle of saving drives the strategy of infinite banking. And then the tactic, a tactic is a product that you buy. And that's when you do the insurance part. But the, the, the principle comes, precedes all of that. The way I frame it, I kind of take and put a planning wrap around IBC, but principles drive strategy, strategy drive tactics. So most people are, tactical. They just want to do the thing, but they don't know why they're doing the thing. And they're like, they're just chasing return because they don't really have a, what I call money rules. They don't have a a philosophy. They don't know what they're trying to, which target they're trying to hit. They don't have a number. And that's kind of a long answer, but that's how I do it. That's how I think about it. Principles are the foundation for everything you do, specifically when we're thinking about money and personal finance. Ten commandments are are principles, you know, so of how to live your life and but it's all principles. You can't just operate on situational ethics. If all of that was a little too quick, rewind and listen to it because it is very impactful stuff. And if you don't know where to start, I love this idea. If you work at W2 today, this is exactly what I do. I set up a private savings account and there is a certain dollar amount versus each paycheck that goes into that. And that is my basically savings account for how I build my savings account. Right off the top, never even see it, don't even know it exists. It's a separate account, so I'm not looking at it every day. And that's the best way to get started. And a 401k does account. I'm not talking about putting into a 401k. See, people think, oh, I'm saving my 401k. That's not saving. Savings, let me define. Safe, liquid, accessible, guaranteed. If you're trying to be an active investor outside of the, the market, then you need capital. And the only way to capital to get capital that you can touch is to save it. Now you got to rearrange some stuff maybe to do it, which is kind of what I do. I help people find not saying, all right, say 15% and you're just going to pull that out your butt. So what I do is different. We help people find money that they're losing unknowingly and unnecessarily. So we call those. So most wealth, here's six things. So here's six things that most people lose most of their money. How do you manage cash flow? How they pay their mortgages, how taxes, how they fund retirement plans, how they pay for kids' educational plans, and how you pay for big ticket items. Most people are chasing returns, but there is more opportunity to minimize your losses. So I focus on teaching people to become more efficient first. You know, so if you got a bucket's got holes in the bottom, before I turn up the volume of the water, I would plug the holes. So Curtis is the hole plugger guy. That's that's what I do. That's a, but so hopefully that analogy works for you. You know, you get a refund. Okay, well, that means your W-4 is filled out wrong. That is not a good thing. And you're you're overpaying your taxes and giving Uncle Sam money. That is little stuff like that. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, if you're at, listening to the show, probably 25% of your money is already going to the federal government. 35% is going to pay off your debts. So there's 50%. Instead, we're focusing- Right there. 
if you could focus on that, you're halfway to the winner's circle. If you could just direct that money and put that money in the savings. So real estate allows you to minimize your taxes. If you have a side business, another strategy is called income shifting. So now you can write off your car and you can look at stuff you already pay for in your household that you got a home office, you're looking at real estate, you know, you got a computer, your internet is tax deductible, get with your tax person. A great book is Tax-Free Wealth and by Sandy Bodkin. Tax-Free Wealth from Tom Wilwright. And another one, Sandy Bakken, is called Lower Your Taxes Big Time. And his book, the first chapter in the book is, if you don't have a home-based business, you're brain dead. That's chapter one. So you want to keep more of what you make. That's step one, not chasing investments. And I think it all comes down to, you need to be telling your money where to go, not asking it where it's been. Yes. That's funny. That's my tagline from my, uh, <laughs> you know that, right? Because budgeting, like who's talking about budget? Budgeting is history. That's like driving a car, looking through your rear view mirror. We want you to look through the windshield. So part of the, we have our own like software, we call it cash flow mapping. And I actually call it taking the mystery out of money. This money hits your account. You need to know, you need to tell it where to go. First place it's going to go is into your wealth capture account. And then you got to have account just for bills. You got to have an account for variable money. So don't, micromanage because you micro, you can't scrimp your way to wealth because what happens is when you get there, you will be afraid to spend it because you've already built a scarcity mentality and you'll suffer from the disease called fear-based hoarding. So now you're afraid to spend it. Whereas if you focus on prosperity, one, you understand there's more enough for everybody to have more than enough. And you're focused on expanding your means. You know, you want to live within your means, but you want to expand your means. And so you want to get up. I say every quarter, how can I grow? What can I, how can I get better? How can I serve more people? So you got to ask the right questions. I I need to make more money. How can I be a better value? How can I solve more problems for more people? So you have to ask the right questions because money is a result of creating value in the marketplace or serving other people. And so I feel like I don't realize where money comes from. As an investor, y'all are solving problems for people. And it's a negotiation, but it's a, usually you're not taking it from people, you're helping them or you're providing safe, clean, affordable housing and you're rewarded monetarily for solving those problems. So you got, it's really, is important to, you got to feel good about what you do, because if you feel weird about it and I'm doing something bad and then you're not going to win because money goes where it's respected. You can't put an obstacle course up the money. <laughs> so that's what most people do. This is a fantastic conversation, but I want to make sure we're cognizant of your time. So I'm going to shift us now to our last round. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first one is, what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Myron Golden has a great book called Boss Moves. Did he also write From Trash Man to Cash Man? Yes. This is his new book. Boss is like business optimization, success secrets. Phenomenal book. Who not how was big for me because I'm a how. I need to to let that go and let other people do it. And I am rereading right now the 12-week year because I'm trying to really get that system down of working, of tracking, of doing my weeks, having where's my weekly goal because a week in that system is a year. I think people are inefficient with their time management and their execution. And between that and atomic habits, because that's what I mean by working on yourself so you can make more money. I have my daughters reading, um, one of my oldest daughters is a senior, reading uh, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. That was a good book. Because, you know, Americans don't know how to negotiate. So you have, you can negotiate bonus pay for everything. It's a negotiation and we don't know how to do it. Once you understand it, it's like playing, it's almost unfair. I'm going to go negotiate, not cooking dinner tonight. Exactly. Good luck with that one. Just get used to these words. Yes, dear. Our second one is, I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and then things you do every single day. 
What are some of the habits that you do every day? Workout. So I set goals in the area of supplementation, workout. I read 15, 25 pages a day. I actually set goals. Like, so I just turned 59. I hate to say, what do I want to be able to do at 69? And I have to start working. So I'm that person then. I have a little shoulder, but I was still up until I hurt my shoulder. I was playing basketball three times a week with the younger guys running up and down the floor. Like, how old are you now? I'm in shape and I can play. So I know how to do things you don't know how to do because you think you can just jump over people. But I've met these guys that were like 10, 15 years older than me still playing full court. I was like, okay, y'all just stayed in my career 15 years because I saw that now what do I have to eat? What do I have to work out? What do I have to you really have to like, what do you want? You have to have an image of what you look like, your weight, your this and that. And then I fix that. Or I'll pick people like, you know, Carl Weathers, who's played uh, Apollo Creed, was at the time, he was like, great shape. And he was like 50, 60 ish. I was like, all right, what does he do? What can I learn from that? You know, successfully his clues. What is he eating? How is he still has such, you know, I, don't, I haven't seen him lately, but I don't think he's fat. And what can I do there? That's kind of what I do. I'll, I try to read, I work out, either walk or do cardio and lifting weights for an hour a day. I, I make sure that. I do devotions and I'll kind of, I don't say meditate, but I I read books and journal about my thoughts and kind of do the night before three things I want to get accomplished that day. And I do what are the wins I have today with my Hyatt planner, all that stuff. So I do all that stuff. Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, My dad told me, and I've heard from the time I was eight, you'll never make any money working for somebody else. I never got that. Go to school, get your education, get a good job talk. Now I've had jobs. I've had a lot since like 2003, but I, I always viewed a job as a temporary inconvenience till I uh, got my thing going. Cause I just, I knew I didn't want to work for other people. My, my grandfather was self-employed, my family owned a supermarket. We always employed people. I literally have heard that from the time I was seven. I'll, I'll give you a bonus one. My dad used to say, he used to talk about consistency. You have to be consistent. So we had a store. He's like, if your store, we had a, this is when we had the bar visit from uh, 11 to two or whatever then you have to be open. I don't care if nobody comes in for an hour. Okay. You have to, you can't be in business. You shut down because they'll come and one time and you're not there. They might come back the second night, but now you're closed. Now you're inconsistent. You lost them. You don't even know it because they're going somewhere else because you're, you're not trustworthy. So if you're in business, my dad used to say your store has to be open. So you've got to decide when you're going to go. Are you a real estate investor? Well, are you open? I used to get calls from the home office, my first company, I was in financial services, just because I had an office, I got up and I was at my desk by nine o'clock every day. And so many people had quit. They would call me so-and-so called the home office. Can you help them? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd pick up five, six people a month just because I was there. My store was open because my dad told me to open the store. I think consistency is the most underrated thing that's ever talked about. I think consistency will beat talent over the long run any day of the week. You have to give your efforts time to compound. See, people don't stay with, and here's the other thing you told me. There's three, three biggies, right? It takes two to five years to build a business. I don't care what business it is. So we want these microwave results, but we don't stay in the game long enough to learn, to become, so to speak. Our fourth one is, what's the thing you're most proud of in your life? My children, my three daughters, they're amazing. And uh, one, as we record this, is going to be a senior at Duke. My middle one is 19. She's uh, going to sophomore year. She had a 4.0 and just doing amazing things. She got a award for like the have being a freshman and having a perfect <laughs> academic score, but she does a lot of all extracurriculars. They're not just nerdy. They're 
sports and my oldest played varsity soccer and track and did a yearbook and was a merit scholar and the whole thing. And then my baby, she's 10. So, and she's very popular and she's going to, you know, do some really cool things. So it's fun watching them grow up. So that, and you know, and my wife is great. So I married up from a personal standpoint. And I think our business, I'm proud of what we're becoming and what our people are experiencing. They think that they feel when I work with them of, they feel more empowered about their money. Cause I told them, look, I don't, don't do it. Cause Curtis said it to do it is your money. And so I want to teach you to think, I don't want to tell you what to think because products you buy should be a result of your knowledge, not a substitute for it. Our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, he just died last year. Walter Williams, my favorite economist. I don't think I know Walter Williams. There's two really famous African-American uh, conservative economists. One of them is Thomas Sowell, who's like 90. He'd be the other one. But Walter Williams was from Philadelphia and he played basketball. And I think he went to the same high school as my dad and my uncle. And Philly from a basketball world is a really small town. He was like we were four or five years older. But if you're a good ball player, because Wilt Chamberlain, John Chaney, who was coach at Temple, they all, Sonny Hill, they all knew each other. They all played ball together. I liked where he came from. I was trying to get him on my show and he passed away, but he's a fascinating guy. I would love to, to talk to him. Wasn't basketball invented in Philadelphia too? The YMCA there? No, at the uh, Springfield Y in Massachusetts by John James Naismith. Curtis, fantastic conversation. I love listening to your principles. I think we're so aligned. Some of the books you've named and principles you've mentioned, I bet we know a ton of the same people and consume the same information. I think so. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you, get some of the principles that you teach, where's the best place we could point them? So I'll give you two places. One, I check out the show and you can listen to more of the madness that is Curtis, the Practical Wealth Show on iTunes or wherever you listen to, to that stuff. And then I have a little report called Creating Wealth Using the Velocity of Money. If you'll text P Wealth, all one word, P Wealth to 55444, that it's should put your name in it and it should send you back a PDF of a really cool report. And if you get excited and you want to talk to me, you can just go to either Instagram and click my link tree or go to practicalwealthadvisors.com and just click the apply to work with Curtis button. You know, we'll set up a, a consultation. We'll talk for 15, 20 minutes and see if what I do is what you're looking for. Perfect. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And then Curtis, fantastic having you on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.